You're listening to a Day in the Life podcast brought to you by the International Myeloma Foundation. We hope that this podcast brings you messages of hope and resilience to the myeloma community and beyond. I'm here talking with Carl Bergman, and we're all at the 23rd annual Support Group Leader Summit in Phoenix, Arizona, and it is the first one bringing people back together into the room. It's a hybrid event. We have some people virtually. We have some people in the room. Carl, it's so great to meet you, and it's so great to talk to you today. It's good meeting you, Jason. I've enjoyed the summit so far. Yeah, what have you liked about the summit? Well, it's been very informational. This is my very first one. I'm looking to start a support group in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I've been helping out with a support group in Northwest Arkansas currently. In the support group in Arkansas, I kind of took over answering the technical type questions that other people have since the uh, last guy that did that took the job as CEO of the, yeah, the last guy, <laughs> Yellick Baru, now president CEO of uh, the International Myeloma Foundation. Wow. So you've been filling in for Yellick and now starting one in Tulsa? Yes. I'm going to try to get one started in Tulsa. The support group there is and especially meeting Yellick at the time and going, listening to all the things he had and bringing from ASH conferences. And it inspired me to try to help others. And if I could answer their questions or at least say, well, this is something that you should ask your oncologist, not tell them that this is a good thing for them. <laughs> I, I think you might try this, but ask your oncologist. So, but uh, Yellick was quite an inspiration for me to really get involved and try to help people. Well, that's amazing that you are building out a new support group. It's so important to to have those representations in the communities for, for people to to feel like they have a place to come to and to to be able to ask those questions and find the right information. So that's uh, that's really wonderful. Now to get to know your story and a little bit about how your myeloma journey began, so to speak, can I ask you? When did you find out about your myeloma diagnosis? Well, that's a long story. Well, it's it's long in years. In 2008, I was having some back pain. And uh, my internal medicine doctor took some x-rays. And I had compression fractures in my back. And pretty unusual. I think, uh, let's see, that would have been 49, 48, 49 years old at the time. And uh, it was one of those things that unusual for a male, 49 under 50 years old to have compression fractures. So he ran some tests and uh, T-serum protein showed up in the blood and then referred me over to a hematologist and ended up with the bone marrow biopsy. And at the time I had a mugus. So for 10 years, every six months, or if the M protein jumped a little, maybe every three months, I'd have blood checked and uh, uh, in the middle of all that, one other bone marrow biopsy still in Muggis. Then it really started jumping. And on February 28th of 2018, my uh, hematologist, oncologist in uh, Tulsa said, well, you have multiple myeloma, you're a high-risk patient, and I'm referring you to MD Anderson. That's when I got serious about looking up what is multiple myeloma. And I'm smart enough to know I go to reputable sites, MD Anderson, the Mayo Clinic, the International Myeloma Foundation, Myeloma Crowd, places like that to get the information, not uh, Jimmy Joe's Facebook page. So uh, I started learning some of that and then uh, got down to MD Anderson and they did a great job of going through and explaining where things were, what they were, they did their at first took the uh, information from the Tulsa tests and 
said, well, well, you're really in smoldering myeloma because they said now that you have to be over 10 to 60% myeloma in your bone marrow is smoldering. So, and said, well, we got a clinical trial that we can put you in that they're looking at maybe doing some treating on smoldering myeloma. Ended up with bilateral bone marrow biopsies and one of them came up at 61%. So, oh, now you've got full myeloma. Uh, so scheduled for the stem cell transplant. And August 9th was when I got my st- new stem cells. That's my new second birthday, August 9th. And put on Revlimid maintenance and uh, made it nine months, relapsed, pretty typical for a high-risk patient. And at that time, my doctor, it's Dr. Patel, she was a co-leader on the uh, clinical trial for that it was being just being opened up, uh, which was Carmitude. Mm-hmm. And they had the uh, one cohort was the stem cell patient that relapsed within 18 months that was on Revlimid maintenance. So that's the one of the first ones to uh, test moving it from the relapse refractory stages into earlier uh, timeframes for treatment. And I, she got me in, my insurance approved it, uh, which is always a good thing. <laughs> but uh, I ended up being uh, MD Anderson's first patient to receive CAR T-cell for multiple home. Wow. And this is the, what is now known as the Abecma CAR T-cell. Yes, the Ida cell, Abecma yeah, Ida cell. So the Bristol-Myers squid product. And uh, it's, uh, you know, the, they had plenty of experience with uh, lymphoma patients and CAR T. For me, it was a relatively, well, easy process when you look at it. Everything tends to be easy in hindsight. But uh, they did the uh, lymphodepleting chemo, or they did the apheresis, got the stem cells, lymphodepleting chemo, I think. Well, they had to do some kind of more knock it down because it's one of those things from their experience with the lymphoma that they didn't want you to have no myeloma, but they didn't want you to have too much because of the cytokine release syndrome. So they did some more KRD, knocked it down some, did lymphodepleting, got my stem cells back. Uh, my cytokine release syndrome was uh, spiked to temperature, a couple of Tylenols, a couple of ice bags under my arms, and that's all I had for uh, side effects. And of course, you stay down there, you get monitored and end up uh, going two years and two months before I relapsed. And for a high-risk patient, that's uh, a pretty large accomplishment. How are you doing now? I'm doing re- pretty good overall. Uh, after the relapse, they did the bone marrow biopsy. And previously, when I was high-risk, I was a multiple factor at a 1014 to 414 switch and a P17 deletion. So I was pretty much on the big high-risk side. And after we were CAR-T, I only have a 1014 switch. So they said, well, maybe you're now medium risk or low high risk. It's not as bad, because especially because you didn't have a P17. So I put on Darapon Dex and oncologist said on that treatment regimen, based on what they've seen from other people on that regimen, that I may go four years before I become refractory to that, which is four years for a high risk patient. Great. It's another set that I don't have to do. Problem is a, a little bit of side effects uh, where I ended up with uh, multiple pulmonary emboli from the medications, I think Pombolus mainly, but uh, put me on Xeralto for anticoagulant and said, well, they'll uh, 
body will absorb them. And just at the time I was, I asked my oncologist, hey, I've been walking like 14, 15,000 steps a day with monitoring on my Fitbit. Of course, his comment was, is that that's probably the only reason you're sitting here talking to me today. So keep up walking. Don't uh, overexert yourself. And, uh, so now it's been six months and I've kind of cleared to start working out and doing some exertion, but uh, easing my way into it. But I felt good except for that one little period when I was really short of breath. But now it's as time's gone by, I feel good. Just trying to stay and keep on my regimen and take my Xeralto. Of course, the uh, pomelis is still knocking my neutrophil count down. So you get off of that and then you're, some of your myeloma numbers come up and I'm in that little wedge now of what do I do? Because I still need to knock the myeloma number down. Can't really go up on the pomelis because it'll knock the neutrophil down. So it's that question to both MD Anderson and my local. What do you guys want to do? So what's my options to do on that? So uh, I hope that'll get figured out here. I have an appointment Wednesday when I get back. So with uh, in Tulsa and hopefully the oncologist in Houston calls the oncologist in Tulsa and they come up with a plan, a proper drug regimen to go with my DARA shot. And then after that, I'm meeting with the uh, uh, manager of their, or the head of their master's degree social worker to start working on seeing if they would set up the space to have the uh, support group meet there and see if they could provide the Zoom capabilities to try to set up a hybrid. And how did you first get involved in the support group? I looked for one. Actually, I think I'll go back and say that when in Houston, I did a, right before the CAR T-cell, uh, Dr. Till invited me to be a speaker at a patient power seminar. And the other gentleman that was, uh, and his wife were up there, was uh, Merlin Mosman, who I know now is looking at this, a support group leader, I don't know if he was at the time, but he said that he was going to a support group there in Kingwood, and he said it's really helped him and it's very good discussions. So after talking to him, I went on to the IMF website and looked for the is where who's who's got the support group in Tulsa or in Oklahoma, and the nearest one was Northwest Arkansas and Springdale. So next meeting they had, Jenny and I got in the car, drove on over, and started going. It's cathodic to talk about it. I think you get get it out of your system. You're not burdening your spouse with your concerns. And it helps you figure out what's going on and get more involved and do the things like here. You hear Dr. Joe talk about all the new drugs and things that are going on, what's happening. It makes you feel better when you say, okay, this is all happening. Hey, I might die from something else. I don't have to worry. I mean, I it's there, but it's not a worry that sits in the back of your mind. And that's the thing that I want to do with the support groups is bring that to newly diagnosed patients or patients that uh, haven't researched, or but they just go in and say, well, I've got this disease that's incurable and they're just throwing drugs at me. Just to try to, well, don't just think about it. Just take it back. It's uh, I've met multiple people that have been 20 plus years with my life. You know, get be your patient advocate. Talk to your doctor. Get involved with your disease, and you'll probably realize that uh, you can live a high quality of life and do the things you want to do. But yeah, you might have to schedule around an infusion or a shot, or might get a little fatigued from your drugs. But you can have a very high quality of life and live a long life with myeloma. It, it is uh, 
It's something that sits there. I know I have it. And I know I need to ask the questions when things are a little different or like a position now. But I know now I just push them. You tell me what I need to do to get, do I need to take uh, new pigeon shots to get my neutrophil count up and then up the palm loose to knock that down? Is that what you guys want me to do? But can, let's get it started and let's get it done. I'm still doing that, but I'll take care of that. And I'm on my daily business. I don't think about it every day. Life's too short to be thinking about what you were, what disease you have every day. Just, yeah, I try to look at it is, is that I fit that into my schedule when I have appointments and things I need to have done, but otherwise just live a pretty much normal life. Finally, my last question I'm gonna ask you is, what advice would you give somebody newly diagnosed and, and not sure where to turn to? First thing I'd say is, is that don't look at that incurable word. There's so much going on and there's so many people that are living 20 plus years now with the disease that a lot of the people that have it die from something else. And be your own advocate. Learn about what your disease is so that when you go into the doctor, you can ask them the questions and say, well, my blood work shows that this is going on. What does that mean? And what drugs are available? Which is going to work best for me? What's going to give me the least side effects? Take a control of what you have and look at that. And then you get to that point where you understand where you are. Be your own advocate. Get your right treatment and live a normal life. That's That would probably be just, you can live a normal life with home. It's not your death sentence that you think it is. Carl, I want to thank you so much for speaking with us. What you've said here is going to be so inspiring to the myeloma community. Well, thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. You've been listening to a Day in the Life podcast brought to you by the International Myeloma Foundation. We hope that this podcast has brought you messages of hope and resilience to you, to the myeloma community, and beyond. For more information about myeloma and the International Myeloma Foundation, please visit us at myeloma.org. 